everybody. How y'all doing? I'm so glad y'all are here. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Pink Cloud Nine podcast, video podcast, trademarked on YouTube, Spotify, social media, and everywhere you can listen and watch uh, video podcasts. I have a very special, amazing, wonderful, the one, the only Misty Compton author. I want to know, Misty, about your journey to becoming an author, how's that been? Has it been, you know, is it a traditional publishing? Is it, and you have some co-author books and all these wonderful things. I want to hear all about it. So please, Misty Compton, tell us about your books and your author journey. Awesome. I'll start with my journey and thank you for having me here. So my journey started out actually in the criminal justice field. So I've got 10 years of criminal justice and I've got a peace officer certification to be a cop. But after seven years and being married to a firefighter, I was like, do I really want to be a first responder? And I've got a five month old. And so I'm like, okay, I, I'm not sure about my life goals. And so um, it's interesting because how I turned to writing was actually like a traumatic fallout with my mom and we haven't gotten along our entire life. And I always wondered, like, if, what was wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? And I always felt guilty. And so I was like, why am I not, why am I not good enough? Right. And I discovered uh, unconditional love, toxic mothers. And eventually I fell on gaslighting and narcissistic personality disorder. So um, got to say it, my mom, I believe she has narcissistic personality disorder, but it's not formally diagnosed. I always have to put that statement in there, but just based on like the way she's acted in her past is kind of based on like that, like that overall definition. And so what I was doing for a while is I was just journaling. I was journaling all my emotions. It was more of a, like a growing opportunity for me, a healing opportunity. And my husband came up with the idea. He's like, why not write a book about it? I mean, this book could help so many people. Right. So like on YouTube and like Facebook groups, like you always hear like these little snippets about like moms and like not always getting along with them. And like you feel guilty, you feel like you're not good enough. And like your mom never apologizes. Like those are common symptoms. But it's like you only see the snippets. Right. Like they have like just tiny little pieces. And I was always like, I want to know the full story. Like, how did you figure it out? Like, where did it start? And like, did you observe, like, did you decide to stay in contact with your mom? Did you cut ties or like what, what happened? Right. And so I was looking online. I'm like, well, nobody even wrote a book about this, or at least I can't find another book like this. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to get brave and share my own story because I feel like it's super helpful and relatable to other daughters in like this situation, like moms with personality disorders, bipolar um, in general, like just toxic and me moms, because I feel like right now there's like this cultural problem in the U.S. that it's like too many people feel entitled. And I feel like previous generations have kind of like, kind of like screwed up the younger generation, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but so like ultimately, like my journey has been interesting. Like I started writing in 2020 and then I published my book in 2022 and so that's 
been like a process, like just emotionally, like I've been through three kinds of therapy. And so it's like, I've done the work, I've done the inner healing. I'm not angry with my mother anymore. Like there's past things that happen and I'm like, okay, it happened. And so now it's more of a learning lesson. And I think the biggest takeaway that other daughters can get from this is you're not a victim, which I really need to emphasize. You're not a victim. Like once you figure out this is happening, like this has happened and you leave the situation or you try and figure it out, you're not a victim anymore. And I feel like a lot of Facebook groups push on you, push on you. They're like, you're a victim for life. (laughs) And it's like, no, you're not. Stop it. You know, like get in that good mindset and like move on with your life and just like be an example for other women, be an example for your children if you have children in the future. So that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. That's amazing. What is the uh, title? Yes, I should probably tell you that. (laughs) It's called Escape Goat Daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's a memoir and you can get it on Amazon. Cool. Did you publish through Amazon or did you go traditional old school publishing? So I did self-publishing for my memoir. So like over here, um, that's my book right here. And then I'm also a co-author. This is not the actual book. This is the first book in that volume. And the one that um, just published, I'm going to be getting those copies next week and they're going to be in like a turquoise color, but yes. So I'm self-published. It's on Amazon. Great. Um, it's fun. We have a lot in common. I also have a very toxic mother and I, um, never really felt like a victim. I felt more like it is what it is because she is who she is. And I cut ties with her uh, many, many years ago. And I'm so glad that I did because she's nothing but toxic. She's never going to change. I'm never going to change. Um, uh, but I'm never going to change accepting her not changing because I've definitely changed. Like from before in my twenties, I was, you know, rebellious or whatnot. And now I'm just kind of yeah. like in acceptance and, uh, forgiveness and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm fine. Um, but, uh, yeah. So cutting ties was healing for me and, Mm -hmm. um, I became the narcissist, you know, I became the, you know, it's all about me. And, and, um, I honestly, I really don't really know her. She didn't even raise me. She, you know, my grandmother raised me, my maternal grandmother raised me, but, um, so I don't really know her you know so it's like really just kind of getting rid of someone that you never really even knew was easier for me so it's easier than you know being raised by a a mother that was there physically maybe um but for me she wasn't there either way either physically or emotionally so anywho um it was easier for me to just like um um but anyway so i became the like narcissist selfish greedy entitled person and I was like that for a long time until I went into like um, uh, uh, mental health and substance abuse recovery. And I did that for like four years and learned a lot about like forgiveness and acceptance and integrity and this, that, the other honesty. And then, um, but I want to know more about the the three types of therapy that you were talking about. Do you, that that you went through? Yeah. So the first one that I went through was it's like narcissistic recovery, like narcissistic abuse recovery. So like a coach who specifically has gone through a very similar situation and she 
really shined a light on like a lot of things that I didn't know. Um, Michelle Lee Neves, she's on YouTube as well, I believe, but she's like, I don't know, she's helped me through a lot of different things. And she taught me what double binding is. And she told me that, like you were talking about like taking on those traits as a narcissist. And for a little bit, I was kind of narcissistic too. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just like my mother. I'm toxic. I'm abusive towards my husband. I don't want to do this to my kids. And then she was like, you know, it could be narcissistic fleas. And it's pretty much like when you're around somebody for so long, it kind of catches on you. Like it's almost contagious in a horrible way. Like, I mean, it goes back to that thing. Like the people that you're around is who you become. And so like, I also cut ties. And so um, I did that therapy with that coach. And then I went to CBT. So just the cognitive behavioral, and that's just the talk therapy where I felt like it kind of helped, but I was already talking quite a bit with my husband because he's super supportive. And I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm really going anywhere with this. And I mean, I was raised by this woman for 26 years. And so there's a lot of damage in there and a lot of things unhealed. And so I'm like, well, what's next after this? And my husband, he has what's called code four in the fire de fire department and wives are covered by it and i could get emdr therapy so don't don't catch me on this one i'm like what does it stand for it's like eye movement like i like rapid eye movement therapy or something like that okay i pro reprocessing but um i went through that and like it really gets down to like the roots of the problem so something that might not seem like a big deal like when I was like six or seven was actually like a humongous deal. And like, they rebring these memories up to the surface. And I actually cried a lot, like a lot in that, in the handful of those therapy sessions, but I was able to like finally release a lot of like that, that guilt and that blame and just everything, the frustrations I had and not feeling good enough. I just felt like the EMDR is like a super helpful therapy. That's awesome. Okay. So are you talking about the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy? Yes. See, it's a mouthful. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. That's why it's uh, EMDR because it's, uh, so I understand it. I just have a hard time saying it. <laughs> desensitization and reprocessing. Yes, that thing. I, I'm, okay, cool. Well, good. Uh, so you feel like that one actually helped you a little bit more than the CBT? Oh, yeah. I kind of wish I would have just went straight into that. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So tell us more about the, and by the way, Misty's links are going to be in the description of this podcast. So uh, look them up either on the bottom or on the top, whether you're on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube, the links will be there. Uh, and you can uh, purchase uh, her books. And tell us the one about the co-author that you did with. Yes. So it's part of a series. And so far, there's three books. It's called Her Badass Story. And this the one that I was in is Her Badass Story 3. And it's a compilation of a bunch of female authors that are very courageous and brave. They share like their most vulnerable parts in their life. I mean, it could be about like a divorce or catty women or um, being scared of like pregnancy or becoming a mother and um, also just like career changes, like big career changes that just completely change you. 
And so it's just a bunch of stories that really like relate to a bunch of women out there. And so I felt like, at least with my story, I'm like, well, you know, it'd be nice to take, like, like have another take on it from a mother's standpoint now that I have my own son. And so in that book, I've got, um, I'm chapter one, the wise willow. <laughs> and so in that chapter, I talk about like being a mom and my fears and a little bit about like my memoir, but Cool. Um, and then you are working on something else at the moment, I assume. Yes, I sure am. Okay. <laughs> Tell us so about it. Just I'd love to. <laughs> okay. So I've got the, so I've got my memoir and then I've got the co-author. And so both those are nonfiction, but like my ultimate goal, I'm like, man, I want to write something exciting, you know? So I was like, okay, let's do some kind of fiction, you know, what kind of fiction? And you look into it and you're like, oh my God, there's so many subgenres. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, what do I like to read? And what do I like to watch on TV? And I feel like sci-fi, dystopian, like apocalyptic kind of stuff. And so I'm like, okay. And I've got a couple ideas in my mind and I've already like plotted it all out. So I started writing a uh, fiction novel, like dystopian. I'm thinking it's going to be like young adult dystopian. But I plan to um, traditionally publish with that one in future um, fiction books. Yeah, because yeah, it's um, it can be like um, well, you know, it's a whole different. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot more competition. Yeah. Well, there's a, it's a different vibe, right? Nonfiction and fiction, and you know, it's like. But well, I'm glad that you're able to, you know. Uh, enjoy all parts of it you know some some people only stay with nonfiction, or some people only stay with fiction and it's like mm -hmm. it's really cool that you're 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 working on you know both um which is interesting because <laughs> i too have okay so i'm a terrible i have terrible gram i'm actually dyslexic and adhd so I am terribly like I'm terrible with grammar and I'm I think that's one of the reasons that video podcast is more um is as you know popular as it has been because I'm more of a talker and uh you know but I'm not much of a writer you know with the grammar and stuff and even though I knew that the grammar was really bad I still published because I'm not ashamed I don't I'm I'm okay with it like it's not you know anyway so I ended up publishing two um, not uh, nonfiction ones. One about about like a robot alien girl, and another one about like stories of like uh, carnival people, which I think are awesome. Motorcycle chick, you know, like that, you know. And then I have this other one that is about like entrepreneurial marketing, which is, you know, I don't know, like it, it like. Uh, it's kind of like I guess it would be nonfiction. I don't know. It's all very confusing. Those two confused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I and, it, those two and like I only started doing it because of COVID twenty twenty. Was like I got to do something, you know. So I started writing and writing and writing, and then I was like, I'm just gonna publish this. It's so easy to publish nowadays, you know. So, um, but uh, but it's cool because like we have like those things in common, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just really glad that, you know, uh, you felt that the, the, that therapy helped and, 
the co-author book sounds amazing. How many other co-authors were there in that one? Uh, there are seven. So eight total with me included. And the person who runs it, her name's Dr. Lori Monaco, and she's actually writing a fourth volume. And she's looking currently for uh, women who want to be part of this book series of like, you know, share your badass story. And so it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so she's looking for badasses. <laughs> so tell me, tell us more, uh, what does, what does an escape goat daughter, uh, what is that defined as, or what does it look like, or what does that mean for those that are like, well, I've heard the scapegoat term before. Uh, right. What would an yeah, scapegoat so, daughter, uh, what's that like? Because maybe you could um, get somebody's attention just from watching this, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, so there's usually like child roles is a good way to start this. So you've got the golden child, the scapegoat. You've got the neutral or neglected child. So there's usually like a handful of different roles in like this kind of fa like family dynamic. And so the scapegoat is kind of the sibling who gets all the blame. They're called the troublemaker. They are pretty much like the, the trash bin of their family. So everything going wrong, it's your fault. If like your sister like gets in trouble for something and she blames it on you, mm -hmm. you're the one at fault when even you didn't do it. So it's like, you kind of get like the brunt of it all. And usually the scapegoat becomes a scapegoat because they have a like high ethical compass. Like they're willing to speak out. Um, they're more independent. And they, like, like I said, the biggest thing is they speak out about like the wrongdoings of the family. And the best way to attack that is like to tear you down, like as a person to like break apart your identity. And so that's the scapegoat. And then you've got the golden child and the golden golden child doesn't have it off better even though it kind of seems like they're like they're praised by, by like the parent like they're they're wonderful everything they do is great they're usually a people pleaser and then like the only issue with being a golden child is you have to live up to those standards and if you like make one bad move or you don't visit your mom on a certain day like she tears you down and sometimes she even uses like the other siblings against the golden child to kind of bring them back mm. and so the, the sad thing about the golden child is that they never get to live the life that they want it's more about being there for the mother or the toxic person and then you've got the neck like the neglected child or like the neutral child they're usually kind of in the background sometimes forgotten sometimes uses what's called a flying monkey where it's like they come back with the information, like your, like for example, your mom's like, hey, like what is Misty up to? And so she, like the other sister, like reaches out and then brings it back to the mom. So there's like this triangle of like information, but yet the mom and like me don't talk to each other. And then it goes through like different outlets. And so, um, but yeah, like the neglected child, they, they're kind of like forgotten about, but sometimes is used as like, this information person. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, going back to what you're saying about uh, escape goat daughter. So I called my book that it's kind of a, like a play on words. I mean, cause I was a scapegoat of my family and escape because I actually decided to cut ties with my mom. I cut ties with my mom and my older sister. 
And unfortunately, because of my relationships with them, I also had to cut relationships with my brother-in-law, my nieces and nephews. I had to cut um, my little brothers. We have like a 16 year gap. I love them so much and it, it hurts to not be able to talk to them, but they're so young. They still live at home. And so it's like, well, is it really beneficial to be like, hey, little brothers, like mom's not healthiest in her mind, you know, but she, they can't do anything, right? They're still stuck at home. And so it's like, this is the best option. But I've had to cut like a lot of different people in my family in order to go after like the life that I want, a healthier life, a life where I don't like feel guilty all the time, just being me. Right. So I get it. Yes, very deep. Now, I, I was an only child, so I didn't have to cut ties for, except for like, you know, the adults, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is fine. But, um, okay, so it must be difficult to kind of, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Kind of reminds me of like escaping a religion or something. Have you ever watched like Scientology or like the Mormon camps or whatever like you know documentaries they talk about this stuff so just briefly because otherwise it's like but but you know maybe some other people so in these like religions for example in Scientology like if you something about like if you you can only be friends and have family that are Scientologists so if your friend is not a Scientologist you can't be friends with them and if your nieces or nephews or uncles or, or, or mother is not a Scientologist you have to cut ties with them like that and that's like a religion you know and yeah. then the Mormons a lot of them they get like uh together and they have babies and there's like a hundred babies and then like if you escape that it's not even the just the Mormons it's so many more other religions that we don't even know about but this is kind of like the the one that that's most talked about so like if you escape that religion or cult or whatever it's called then you can never have ties with the people that you left behind type of thing you know yeah so that's yeah. kind of like what it reminds me of how do you deal how do you cope how do you you know well at first like it was really really hard like i went down like a really steep decline like the first year um, it's interesting because the first year I kind of just avoided feeling any of it. Like I, I saw everything that happened. We had this big argument at Christmas and then I stopped talking to them then and there. My husband and I got married. Um, and then like a few months later, it was like the one year anniversary around Christmas that I hadn't talked to my family. And that's when everything started coming back. Like it's like a year later after the wedding and like all that planning, like I was just so distracted and it's where everything just hit me and like tore me down, reminded me of all these things that happen. There's so much doubt that happens whenever you cut ties with a family. You're like, am I a horrible person for doing this? Like you have to have a really good reason to cut ties because for one, it's like nobody wants to cut ties with like family, with their mothers, with their fathers, siblings, like it's just, you, you, you get raised with these people and you love them. Like, I still love my family, but it's like, just going through like everything after that year was really tough on me and my husband. And he actually ended up getting on anxiety medication. I got very depressed and it went on antidepressants. And that's when I really started my journey with healing because I'm like, you know, I don't want to be in this mindset anymore. I need to get therapy and getting there was hard because it's like, everyone's like, Oh, you know, I don't need help, you know, or like 
I don't want to be a burden. And so my husband like, it's like pushing me, you know, it's, it's really important to have a supportive like friend or husband or somebody in your life. So he was pushing me. He's like, babe, you need to get help. And it's, it's okay. You know? So I'm like, okay, okay, fine. So I went and did my therapy and like, after a while, like I started feeling more like myself. That's good. That's good. Um, it, it's difficult for me because I just really became cold and numb and distant and just like avoid feeling. And I also avoid getting close and loving and caring you know like that like um so you know people deal in different ways right that's why I asked you how do you cope how do you deal because you know you have your story and then mine is probably not the best way but yeah I'm really very um like in person in real life I'm really cold I'm really distant I'm really um I have walls up I don't let people get close. I mean, even when I go to the grocery store or wherever I go, uh, and I always get all of these um, these <laughs> comments. You you're very. They tell me I'm very intimidating looking, and I'm like, well, that's just who I am. I mean, I'm okay with it, but you know, and it's like, yeah. So, and I'm a kind of person that um, I don't do well in groups of people. I don't, I try, I've tried so many times. I've tried joining groups and clubs in real life, you know, um, mm -hmm. all kinds of different therapy groups, but also fun groups and, you know, roller skating groups and board game groups and all that. Um, and I do fine for a little while, but then like, it's just like all of this, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's just weird, but I do okay with one-on-one. -on -one. Oh yeah. You know? So, I totally get it. Hmm. As I was just saying, I totally understand. Like I'm, I'm definitely more of like a, an alone player. Like I don't, I'm not a very good team player, like in big groups, but it's so strange though, because my entire life, I'm like, I kind of craved being like, you see those girls that have like a bunch of girlfriends. I'm like, oh, that would be so great one day. And like, I actually have that now, which is so weird. Like I've got a mom group, but like in general, like I'm, I'm kind of like a recluse. Like I just hang out in my house and type and read and I'm like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> but. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Misty Compton, author. Uh, please check out her books, uh, especially that scapegoat daughter one, because that sounds like it has a lot of uh, really <laughs> juicy information. And also it's a memoir. So um, sure a lot of you can relate to some of the things that Misty has gone through. And hopefully uh, this has uh, opened some of y'all's eyes of like different types of therapies, different types of coping me mechanisms, uh, knowing that you're not alone uh, and that everything will be okay, no matter what decisions we end up making, you know, just be kind to people, children, animals, older people, younger people, all people, just be kind, okay? Thank you so much, Misty Compton, uh, for being here. And uh, uh, it's been lovely. Mwah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Bye, everybody.